You're listening to PetLifeRadio.com. And good morning, good afternoon, wherever the case may be. You're here live with Dr. Jeff Weber here, host for the next 30 minutes on Pet Life Radio's live call-in radio show, Ask the Vets with Dr. Jeff. Live call-in, that means live, that's we're here now. And call in 877-385-8882, once again, 877-385-8882. Even a better way to join us here live is to go on Pet Life Radio, click on the Ask the Vets with Dr. Jeff tab, and scroll down. And you will see a Google Hangouts link. And you can actually directly get us here on Google Hangouts. If you're you know, live on your computers right now, you'll see in the lower right a little screen. And you'll pop up on the screen along with me, have your pet with you or your pets, uh, whatever the case may be. And um, we can talk. We can talk about anything you want. And uh, that's why we're here. Thanks to our sponsors also, Bravecto, 12-week protection for fleas and ticks. And more than a cone, raising awareness of animal welfare through the arts. Really cool stuff. And, of course, Save Us Life Microchip. And um, anyway, first of all, if you did not change your clocks, you missed us because you went on an hour ago. And uh, none of us were there. And you, I wonder what happened to Dr. Jeff. It's because you forgot to change your clocks. Fall back. So uh, it is uh, now, now the real new 904. And um, for those of you who did not do it, it's going to be 1004. And you're going to say, wow, that's here in L.A. So what's happened back east? Add an hour to that. Anyway, a couple of things. Just wanted to uh, hear about any problems with Halloween with your pets. I have gotten as late as <laughs> this is crazy. I got a number of calls like the day and two days after because residue candies that were left behind, not sent to me, were eaten instead by the dogs. Typically, a lot of milk chocolate. You know, as I said, it, it takes a lot of milk chocolate, can be toxic. So before Halloween, I had a, one of my patients, a big German Shepherd, wild, crazy, beautiful dog. His name is Kelso. And he got a hold of a whole uh, freshly baked chocolate cake. I mean, with all the fixings, chocolate icing, you name it, something that I would have loved being the chocoholic that I am. And ate the whole thing. They brought him in. We were able to induce vomiting because it happened like right away. I get a call Friday morning that sometime during the night, and it was probably done earlier in the evening, like 12, 1, 2 o'clock in the morning. There was like two bags of unopened bags. Of course, that's nothing for a dog. And all chocolate, you know, milk chocolate candies that were left over from Halloween. And at this point, I asked her how long ago. She, it was certainly over three, four hours ago. So I, to induce vomiting at this point isn't really good. Milk chocolate, it would take even more because this dog's about an 80-pound dog. And I said, just watch him. You know, P.S., he's fine. He had no problems. But maybe a little buzz, but it's so hard. He is such a wild, crazy dog anyway that it's so hard to tell if he was buzzed because of the candy or just buzzed because that's his personality. But that was it. No really serious problems. But, you know, one of the things I picked up on Smart Brief from the American Veterinary Medical Association, I thought this was interesting. And that is that it's kind of crazy when you think about it, because let's face it, those of us that love animals are kind of crazy sometimes. So if you put it in that light, maybe it's not so crazy. But this comes from the National Retailers Federation, predicts that Americans spent about $440 million on costumes to dress up their pets. And some of the biggies were pirates, lions, hot dogs, spiders, pumpkins, 
superheroes, you name it, these pets look like. I mean, you can go online and just check out like, pet costumes. There are some really, really clever, cute costumes out there. Spending for pet costumes has doubled. Here it is. We just had 2017, doubled since 2010. So what was maybe a kind of a craze seven years ago is now a humongous craze. We're not talking doubling every 10, 15 years. We're talking in seven years, it went from 200 million to 440 million. That's insane. And this is also insane, embarrassing, call it what you want, 16% of Americans, 16% of you out there right now dressed up your pets for Halloween. That's a little bit frightening, but it is what it is. As long as the pets had a good time, as long as you had a good time, as long as nobody got hurt, as long as your pets tolerated the costumes well, so be it. Have, go, go out there and have fun. You know, a lot of times, and I get it, when, when you have children, small children, and they're going out, they're getting dressed up, they get a kick out of their pets being dressed up as well. So I have to say to myself, is it better to have a pet in a family with kids and dress it up for Halloween or not have a pet at all? And of course, I'll go with a pet dressed up for Halloween. So it's just one of those, you know, cute things that you kind of wonder what made them do it, but they, they did it and uh, everybody has a good time. So, so it's cool. Here's some good news about the profession itself. And that is this, that first of all, veterinary medicine used to be the best. It still is in my book, but it was the best for everybody. Then let's face it, it is tough out there because veterinarians have not been able to keep up with the inflation when it comes to employee costs, insurance costs inventory costs, that's drugs and supplies. So it's really a lot more difficult for a practice owner. It's a lot more difficult to, to make ends meet. And as far as salaried veterinarians, it is not what it used to be. So it's, it's interesting. There, I think there are a number of reasons why the profession has gotten to the point where 80%, 80% of graduates, but also 80% of applicants to US veterinary schools are women. And I think that part of it is because typically and not to sound chauvinistic, but typically the breadwinner of the family is, is historically the, the husband, the man. And so when you know women love to work and they should find their passion, but they, they don't have the same amount of pressure. And of course, when they are going to be taking off, if they don't want to start a family, then their schedules are going to vary a lot. And so much so that it is guesstimated that it takes somewhere between two and two and a half women veterinarians to fill a single time slot. In fact, my associate, I have a female associate, fantastic, smart as can be, but only works two and a half days a week. So that's kind of the way it is. So one of the reasons why we're losing the men is because as much as they may love animals, and certainly my colleagues do, I have a male associate who's, who's a phenomenal veterinarian, but it's more difficult to make, to earn what they'd like to. For example, a salaried veterinarian here in Los Angeles would have a tough time buying a house here in Los Angeles. They'd have to live somewhere in the outskirts. That's not good. And then attack onto that, kids and schools and, and maybe private schools, whatever the case may be, it's a tough haul. So I love to see this, that because of robust pet care and in the industry, of course, urbanization, rising affluence, and increased demand for food animal and food safety expertise, the, you know, contributing, these are all contributing to a very healthy job market for veterinarians. And basically they feel that opportunities for veterinarians will grow 18% and for technicians, veterinary technicians, 20% by the year 2026. So that's really exciting to see because I lecture at my old high school. I go back to my high school every year to lecture at career day. They have a really cool, well-promoted career day. They have like 250 professions represented. And um, I'm the only veterinarian there. 
And partly because in my high school, if I look at the era from my older sister down to my youngest brother, from the time my younger, my older sister started to the time my youngest brother graduated, it was nine years from 66 to 75. And in those classes, four or so, five, six classes during that time period, there have been only four graduating veterinarians, future veterinarians. So when you think about that, that four veterinarians in all those years, when I'm sitting in a classroom, and this class is 500 so students in the class, in the, in the grade. So I'm sitting in a classroom, about maybe 30 kids sign up, and I do two sessions. So I'm talking about 60 kids in, in, every career day that think they want to become veterinarians. And I have to give them the, the hard facts that it is really, really tough. It's tough to get into. It's tough to finish. You got to be really smart. No kidding around when you get to college. You really got to grind it, you know, get down to the books, et cetera. And um, we talk about, you know, the future of earning power. And interestingly, most of these attendees in, in the class are girls. And um, the guys, if I ask the guys, I say, I say, you know, I always do this. I say, what would you rather do? Would you rather look for a job, find a profession that you're just going to make tons of money or a profession that you just have a major passion for? You'd love to go to work every day. And sadly, and not surprisingly, most of the kids, the boys are raising, they want to make a ton of money, which is okay. And the women, of course, they want to find their passion. So of course, if you can do both, that's great. But I think that right now of late, uh, you know, it used to be, I'll give you a side frightening note. The number one medical profession that the members, the highest suicide rate amongst medical profession was dentistry. And sadly, sadly, veterinary medicine is catching up. And I know of, personally, of a number of veterinarians uh, for whatever reason. And, um, you know, I, you know, again, to, to commit suicide, that's a, that's a whole other discussion about one's uh, mental state, about, you know, one's deep-rooted problems, but even still. It's frightening. It's, it's really scary. So it's good news for the profession. On a, uh, another note, if those of you that have horses, especially in North Carolina area on the east, eastern seaboard, eastern equine encephalitis, a mosquito-borne disease, has claimed six cases, killed six horses already. And so the recommendations by the state veterinarian in North Carolina, but I would think any nearby state because of mosquito problem, population, that horses, mules, and donkeys if you have them, if you own them, if you're listening, make sure they are vaccinated against EEE, that's Eastern Equine Encephalitis. This is really cute. And uh, this is a cute one to leave before our quick commercial break. But that there's some studies done on are people more sympathetic to pets or to people? And not really surprising, but this research company, it was a charity research. They were wondering what prompts people to give to charity. So they put people out there and for dogs that needed help, financial help, and people that needed financial help. And of the respondents, more people would rather give money to help dogs than they would other people. That, that's, I mean, from my perspective, that's great. But still, you know, it's, it's kind of says something about our, uh, our social status here and how we feel about other people versus how we feel about pets. And another study, they wondered what stressed people out more if there were a problem with puppies being victimized or people being victimized and talking about how stressed they are when they read or hear about the two. And again, more people got stressed out when they heard about puppies being victimized than about people being victimized. I think, you know, that has a lot to do also, you know, like you ask people if your friend and your dog are drowning 
And if you can only save one, who would you save? Most people will go for the dog. I think I think the feeling is that that people should be able to help themselves more, and pets are rather helpless. And therefore, if they have to help, they're going to help the one who's more helpless. So anyway, I thought that was uh, that was pretty cool. So uh, anyway, don't go away. I still want to. We're going to talk when we come back. I want to talk about. We put the word out. We were talking last week about what criteria. When would you think would be correct? to spay a rescue, a pregnant rescue dog, at what point during gestation would you want to um, or think it would still be okay to spay a rescue dog? I got some responses. I want to share them with you, and I'd like to hear from you as well. So don't go away. We'll be back after these few short messages. Sit. Stay. We'll be right back after a short pause. Well, four to be exact. As a dog, I know a lot about fleas and ticks, so trust me when I say no other Tasty Chew protects dogs as long as Brevecto. One Brevecto Chew keeps fleas and ticks away for up to 12 weeks. Be a good human and ask your vet about Brevecto. Brevecto may cause vomiting. She was thrown out of a pickup truck. Somebody threw him out of a car and shattered his leg. They found her walking on the streets. Many have been abused, malnourished, eating garbage. Scabs, itching, licking, missing fur. There's this commercial on TV that the ASPCA does. They want you to send in $19 a month for a dog in the shelter. I think you should go and adopt a dog from the ASPCA and then get that dog on Dynavite. D-I-N-O-V-I-T-E dot com. You don't need to spend thousands on vet bills. Their answer is nutrition. The omega-3 fatty acids. Flaxseed, zinc, alfalfa. The digestive enzymes that are cooked out of regular dog food. When you rescue a dog, you've got to feed them right for life. Every rescue deserves at least 90 days of Dynavite. 859-428-1000. 859-428-1000. Dynavite is nutrition. Dynavite for life. D-I-N-O-V-I-T-E oh. dot com. Let's talk pets. Let's talk pets. On Pet Life Radio. Pet Life Radio. Pet Life Radio. Dot com. <laughs> Welcome back. You're here live with Dr. Jeff Werber here on Pet Life Radio's Ask the Vets. We want to hear from you, 877-385-8882. If there's anything pet-related you want to talk about, pick up the phone, 877-385-8882, or join us here live on Google Hangouts. The link is on the Pet Life Radio Ask the Vets with Dr. Jeff tab, and scroll down and just click on the link, and you can join us here live. Before going over some results, comments that I've received from some of our listeners, I read something that's interesting that dolphins. A study was looking at wild dolphins that were washed ashore dead and studying their brains. And they found what they call amyloid plaques and also uh, something called tau protein tangles, which are things that are found on us, people that have Alzheimer's and dementia. So the thought is that some of these dolphins ended up on shore because they were lost, because they basically have their own version of Alzheimer's or dementia. So it seems like we're not the only mammal, which um, I find not only is it interesting, from a research standpoint, now I think more could be done because once more and more organisms, animals, people, whatever, have a certain disease, more money goes in to research. So I think that's, that's really good. 
And uh, this was kind of sad that because of poaching, a lot of baby elephants are losing the maternal figures, their mothers and aunts, all right, that seem to, to stay within the pack of elephants. And so these young become majorly socially disadvantaged because they don't have that mother figure to teach them. And they learn so much. So um, these animals are slow to mature and they're really slow for the, to what we call social cohesion because they haven't had their mother figure to learn from. And um, so that's, you know, it's really sad when you think about it. And I think, uh, you know, you want to stand up against something, stand up against poaching. So we posed the dilemma last show about when, first of all, I don't know if there is really a, a definite right or wrong answer. I think it's very personal. I think it has a lot to do with many other external factors that would mold the decision. But we talked about when for these rescue groups that are, of course, limited financially, limited by space and knowing that dogs in this country are being put to sleep by the by the millions and not because they're bad dogs. It's because there's not enough forever homes and there's not enough space for these dogs in shelters, dogs and cats. So at what point do we say it is okay to spay a known pregnant female? Uh, in other words, abortion. And I would tell you that, as I mentioned last week, that for most of the rescues I work with and for my own personal tastes, once a skeleton is starting to calcify where it's visible on an x-ray, where you know you have a real live you know, animal, I don't like to spay these. I recommend that mom should have the pups or kittens. Some believe that as soon as on an ultrasound, you can see a beating heart, despite the fact that there's still a little you know, nub just to feed us, that at that point, they should not be spayed. Let them go to term. And there are some that feel that they just don't want to bring more unwanted pets into the world. And therefore, anytime you can spay them, just spay them. As long as it's before, of course, before they're born. And um, I would say that to me that I'm uncomfortable with that. I'm also uncomfortable with as soon as you see a beating heart that I can understand the issues and where the problems, where they lie and why. Again, in the ideal world, the ideal world would be plenty of homes, plenty of money, plenty of space. And therefore, every single dog, every single puppy will get adopted, not at the expense of another. And the argument is that for every pet, puppy, kitten that's born, where that newborn is being adopted, there is an older, often puppy, young dog, or a young adult dog, or even a senior dog that is not getting adopted and is being put to sleep. So it's a very, very, very complicated issue. And um, I was, you know, happy that most sort of agreed you know, with me. I, as I said, I am never comfortable. I, it's almost like I will refuse to spay a dog where the puppies are totally visible on an x-ray already. Skeletons formed. You can see the skull. You, you, you know, that's a puppy or a kitten. When they're just little balls and, of an embryo, a fetus, and you could, uh, you know, you start seeing the heart pumping, but you don't see anything. And on palpation, you just feel the fetus itself poorly developed. I, you know, I can justify that a little bit better. But again, it would be great if we can let them all. But what's even better, what it would be even be greater is educating people, get your pets spayed and neutered, because if we wouldn't have this dilemma. We wouldn't be faced with this if pet parents, pet owners were more responsible, making sure their pets or spayed and neutered, unless, of course, you are a legitimate, sophisticated breeder. By that, I mean not a backyard breeder. Yes, we all have cute animals. We all say, oh, God, I would, I would love to have one of the puppies from him or her. 
I get it. I had that with my, my very first Labrador was stunning, magnificent, perfect in every way, but he was also neutered. And I, you know, would it have been great? Yes. What is the guarantee that an offspring from one such perfect dog will be as perfect as its parent? And the answer, zero predictability. So there are, not only that, just to add a little something to this, cloning, cloning, in my opinion, is absurd because in order for that cloned animal to be exactly like the animal that supplied the DNA, the cells to clone, the parent, if you will, the environment from the day this animal breathes to the age at which you are expecting it to be the same has to be exactly the same. And who can duplicate every single day, every single experience, every single thing eaten, right? Everything seen by this developing young, let's call it a puppy for, for argument's sake. It's a dog, okay? And there's no way, no way to duplicate everything. So you think that I'm going to clone my dog and get the exact same dog. They may look the same, and that's about as far as it's going to go. So don't fool yourselves into thinking, and I'm sure you've heard of many stories, both ways of, of you know, even identical twins, meaning they're identical, being separated at birth. And yes, there may be certain characteristics and, and personality traits that are similar, but, and they will look the same, but they're different people. And I think that's one thing to, to understand from a clone because it's the same thing. So if we can all get out there, make sure, become responsible, make sure pets are spayed and neutered. If you want to donate to some cause, make it a cause that's making sure these pets are being spayed and neutered. And then maybe we won't have this dilemma of what to do with these pregnant strays and whether or not we have to abort or not abort. So uh, anyway, now I'll give you something to think about. And you still want to get a hold of me, very easy. Just uh, send me a, a note to Dr. Jeff. that's Dr. Jeff at PetLifeRadio.com. I will get my uh, mail, email, and we will answer you back. Leave me a phone number, uh, of course. So a lot of times, you know, I'm much better at talking. Clearly, you may notice that uh, by, by my show. So I much prefer to have a conversation with you. So if you have a question about your pet or pets, you go ahead and send me an email to drjeff at PetLifeRadio.com with your phone number, and I will give you a call, and we can talk about your problem. It's a lot easier for me, and believe it or not, it takes a lot less time for me to do that than it's to sit down at a computer and start typing. Anyway, have a great week, everybody. Hope uh, your pets stay safe. Uh, it's getting cooler here in the West, so I imagine there are parts of the country that are getting really cold. I am looking forward to snow in the mountains. So uh, anyway, um, have a great week, and we will be here same time, the new time. Uh, no more daylight savings. Uh, next week here on Pet Life Radio's Ask the Vets with Dr. Jeff. Once again, thanks to Prevent Dope, to Save This Life, and to More Than a Call. And uh, we'll be here next week. Let's Talk Pets, every week on demand, only on PetLifeRadio.com. <laughs>